0: is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Ren Rivera, and we cover a little bit of everything from AIDA to identity to tarot cards, jagged little pill, and of course, between the lines. So I hope you enjoy part one with Ren Rivera. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Ren Rivera. Ren, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you. It is my pleasure.
0: We were talking a little bit before recording about Between the <laughs> Lines. We we will discuss that and so much more. It was, it was a wonderful show. Uh, before we get to that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams mm-hmm. growing up?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So I am the child of two first-generation Americans. So entertainment, the field, the industry was not a choice for me growing up. Um, but it wasn't until I, I played the cello growing up and one of the kids in my class, Jack Longo, uh, was like, you should audition for the musical. And in seventh grade was my first time knowing of a musical. And then that's what blossomed my dreams. What
0: what was the musical?
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, once upon a mattress.
0: Okay, great. great, 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 great. Was that the was that the defining moment for you to to continue on with it, or was it a more of a journey before you decided to like professionally pursue musical theater?
1: Oh, oh, a much greater journey. It wasn't until late, late, late into my high school career that my parents finally saw me in Aida of all things. Oh, great! And. Uh, Right. I was playing Amneris and that was the moment that it sparked with my dad that he was like, oh, maybe you should pursue this. Maybe you should try this out. And that was when I I took it and ran. I
0: I'm I'm so curious what your what your parents have taught you about work ethic. Does anything come to mind?
1: (gasps) Oh, absolutely. My parents are some of the hardest workers I know. Um, they both came from little to nothing and they've not only created a great life for me and my sister, uh, but continue to try to build what they can with real estate and whatnot. And it's honestly one of the most brilliant things to get to grow up beneath. Mm.
0: Hmm. What have What have you learned from from them in terms of a work life balance? <laughs> because theater is oh, all encompassing.
1: Oh, you know, I have to say, I don't think my parents have a very good work life balance. So, and that being said, neither do I.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, now that you mentioned that. But it's something that I'm learning now living alone and being in New York City and doing my thing mm. that I have started to try to create my own path in that.
0: I love that. I love that. And then a uh, similar question <laughs> to that, what What have your parents taught you about kindness?
1: Oh, my parents always expressed to me that the most important thing that I could do was be kind. Um, And there are a myriad of reasons for that, one, just existing in the world and treating others the way you would like to be treated, but also being a person of color and understanding how to move through the world in a safe way and also how to actually be able to move on to a higher step Mm. through kindness. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. know, it's so easy and it's free in, in a world, in a city that costs <laughs> so much. Kindness is free. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yes. It is. It's, and it's it, the more we can, the more we can spread that the better. I'm curious, do you have any mentors and are there any standout lessons that come to mind?
1: Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, I have a I have a lot of mentors in a lot of different facets of my life. Um, if we want to take it back to who mentored me to get to want to do theater Please. professionally, um, I'm looking at people like Carol Sasso, who was my choir teacher in middle school, and Mary Legier, who was my first voice teacher. And Nancy Tobison, who was my first true, true director um, in high school. And I did Cats as my freshman year show, which was so funny. Um, and if we want to take it over to the world of theater and what that meant, um, for me, it was Leo Salonga and Eva Noblezada. I mean, God, Lindsay Mendez's um Tony Award speech was the honestly one of the most pivotal moments of my career, mm. of my life and I I got to tell her this story, but being that I I come from a, a family where they are the first generation of Americans, mm. um it was always impressed upon me to lose my last name which is Rivera in the professional world and just to use my middle name as my last name because my dad always growing up like he could never get an interview with his last name so Mm. he would always shorten it and just get there when they saw him Mm. and so for me Lindsay's speech was all about taking pride in her last name and being able to champion that in herself. And I will never forget sitting across from my TV just sobbing and that being the moment that I was like, not only am I going to do this, but I'm going to do it with my last name. Hmm. And it's been extremely powerful ever since and especially to actually say my last name as Rivera and roll the R and take it all in has been a really, really big thing for me. So she has a lot of space in my heart. I
0: I, I absolutely love that. And I'm curious on that, in that vein, that speech yes. and your journey, you know, post hearing that Tony Award speech, what have you learned about identity and your self-talk in being a the, the truest form of who you are meant to be?
1: That is a wonderful question. Um, the first thing that I did post that speech was I got to go uh, study at Stella Adler in L.A. And that was the first time that I was like really using my voice and saying my line with my chest. Hmm. And. It. Oh, my gosh, it just it really changed my life. Like. I felt a sense of pride and a sense of abandonment from all of the hurt that I was clinging on to. Mm. um, That was so thrilling and. From that moment on, it's it's transferred into how I speak about my identity as a non-binary person and as a queer person and. Being able to be proud and to stand in my own two shoes Mm. and. To resonate. Through my chest, through my nose, the whole shebang and be proud. Yeah.
0: Has it, has it evolved the way you, I don't know. I mean, it's a rather personal question, but has it evolved the way you speak yeah. to yourself and the way you internalize anything that comes up in life?
1: Hmm. Mm. I am a very big worrier. i Same. I am. <laughs> look at us go! Look at us go! <laughs> it's just like sweaty palms all the time, you know. Um, so it's been it's been hard because learning to cast those worries aside and try to really stand my ground in a in a field that doesn't always celebrate that. It has been, I, I, oh my gosh, it's such a tough question to answer because while it has been very easy for me to say who I am, what is hard is reinforcing that hmm. and being able to say this is who I am in each space and to not let people crumple back. Hmm.
0: Yeah, which is, yeah a journey in itself for sure.
1: And a challenge. Yes. I mean, that's yes. the,
0: the hope is that you we have a more inclusive and understanding world so people can just not yeah.
1: challenge yeah. that.
0: But yeah, <laughs> very interesting. Do you, do you meditate or do you journal? Is there any prompts or text you refer to daily or?
1: Yes. I, I read my tarot every morning, which is, everyone has their own thing. And I do find that it helps me ground myself. I, uh, I do, I, I think that is my prompt into journaling, mm. is to read the cards and determine what that means for me, and then actively practice that in my day. And it's usually very, very grounding, and helps me cement being loud and proud. And Also being kind and acknowledging that people are going to need things that I don't need and vice versa and to find harmony in that. Hmm. That was a very wild journey I just took you on. Apologies.
0: No, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm always interested in the prompts one uses. You know, not that Tara's a prop, but the idea of uh, coming back around each day to a theme and to a thought, pr- so you can focus yeah. the energy because I mean, you know, ph- physical fitness, it's very trendy. Mental fitness is still taboo. It's still out there. It's not something yes. that is, we don't have like a Lululemon for mental, <laughs> mental fitness. yet. You know? <laughs> unfortunately, know, unfortunately, be great. No. But to focus on that, I think it's so important because it can help channel our, you know, our purpose. Is there a particular role that has taught you the most about yourself?
1: Yes, yes, yes. So roles have come along at very specific times in my life, and most of them surrounding coming out. And the first time that happened was when I played Alison Bechtel in Fun Home in college at Ball State University, chirp, chirp. And I had the beautiful uh, time of coming as non binary. And I was still using my dead name at the time. Please don't ever look it up. Thank you.
0: Okay. okay. Um,
1: But I was using my dead name at the time. But it was the first time that I got to use my pronouns. And it was also the first time that at the first meeting, the director went around and asked everyone for their pronouns alongside their Mm -hmm. introduction. And the feeling of the the swelling in my chest and how excited I was. I will never, ever, ever forget that day. And I've told the the director that multiple times it was just life changing. And then uh, getting to be in Jagged Little Pill and that that is one of those places that that cast really, really taught me how to use my voice and to be And I know I've said those words so many times, but this, that, that show was so life altering for me. And it's what brought me into between the lines where I got to further use that voice. And I'm sure we'll get there later during our talk, but yeah. I, yeah,
0: I am very curious about your journey to jagged little pill. Um, If you're willing to expand on that, let's, let's dive in.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Jagged Little Pill, listen, did I watch the bootleg? Yes, I did. Okay, I it, I did. I was living in Indiana at the time. And I absolutely watched it. And I fell in love. And throughout my last year of college for uh, our senior showcases. I just begged everyone i was like can i do you ought to know can i please sing you ought to know i was just like i just want to be joe please and um michael rafter who is the md at funny girl um he also works um, on faculty at ball state university and he was able to get me the music for you ought to know and i tried to put it everywhere I could. And everyone was like, this doesn't fit the theme anywhere. <laughs> but I tried anyway. And then uh, the summer after I graduated, I got an audition for the understudy uh, for Joe and to be in the ensemble. And I was like, Can I can I cuss on
0: here? Oh, yes. It's adult programming.
1: Okay. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. I was like, you bet your ass I am going in. I was like, I was like, everybody step aside. This is my dream moment. Please, please, please let it be. And, um, I, I, oh my gosh, I was doing Um, the New Harmony Project, which is in Indiana. Amazing organization, if you would care to check it out. Um, But I was there and I was living in this, what I consider to be extremely haunted house. And I got this self-tape and the background is this like, scary, decrepit, brown, milk (laughs) jug-like building. And I'm like, and it's like I wouldn't go anywhere in that house alone. But I was filming the self tape and in that moment I was dripping sweat and I was just having the time of my life. And I was like, please, please, please let something happen with this. And um, I got the call back and it was hilarious because I moved to New York and they were like that. I was driving. I was getting ready to drive to New York and I got a call from my agent and they were like, um so how quickly could you get to New York and I was like well funny you should ask I'm literally moving there right now and they were like great um on Friday you have an in-person callback for Jagged Little Pill and I was like okay so I'm speeding to New York yes Yes, I filmed my first TV gig in that time and then I did, I literally ran from set like full makeup, the most antithesis to Joe you could be running (laughs) into Jagged Little Pill and that was one of the most awesome moments was getting to meet all of the genderqueer and non-binary people that were there for the same thing. And that was my first introduction to New York, really. And it became the most invaluable thing. And I love all of those people. And I'm so glad I got to do that with them. And um, then they brought me in for a second round of final callbacks. And Clayton, I have never fought so hard in my life. I played hard, but I worked hard and It it was, it was the best experience. And I remember being like, I just feel it in my bones that it's going to happen. But if it doesn't, I just had one of the greatest times of my life and I will cherish that.
0: What a great, what a great feeling to have. And what an all-star group. I'm so curious if there were common (laughs) themes or, you know, standout lessons or lessons learned or any common themes from these top performers you worked with on Jagged.
1: Oh my gosh. I think one of the biggest things which I saw at the time I was mostly working with Heidi Blickenstaff Mm. and um, Lauren Patton and the two of them were. So not only gracious, but also. Gracious to themselves and in their warm up process and really making sure that they were in the right mental space and the right physical space to do what they had to do um alongside the ensemble oh my gosh when i tell you that this is like one of the most amazing groups of people that i've ever gotten to be around i would kiss their feet any day i love them and they took so much time to take care of themselves and they really impressed that upon me and they uh they they really pushed physical therapy and mental therapy. And most of all, they, they, they really gave me community and love and friendship in a way that I've never experienced before. And not to say that I haven't experienced it since, but it was so special there. Mm.
0: Oh, I so love that. It's such a great show. It's it's almost like a a distant memory at this like so much is happening and so much is coming out that it's like, yes, that was last that was last <laughs> season, basically, yeah, that was yeah, and then way more recent between the lines, which I have to bring up. we yeah. must talk about it at least for a moment <laughs> uh, you know any standout lessons or thoughts from that show it was I mean it was a special a special piece of theater
1: Julia murney is a absolute boss. Okay and she there's a person that will teach you how to use your voice and I absolutely adore learning from her. Um, There's not much from that show that wasn't a learning curve like Mm -hmm. I'm sure you heard a little bit from Tim. like there we went through a lot to get that show. Mm -hmm up and going. And I was only with the show this year most of a a lot of the people had been with the show for years, if not up to seven or eight years, which is absolutely bonkers. Mm. But the lessons of keeping optimism in times of hardship and also just remembering to reignite the love and to breathe in the moments that you're on stage and feel that and reciprocate to that audience is one of the things that I will carry with me forever.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's so. It's such, it's so, that is so special. I, I'm curious between these two shows yeah. and every other project that, to date, how have you gotten better at listening?
1: Oh, I have to say, I, Jagged Little Pill is what grew my empty pen oh. Obviously, I wasn't a part of the world when I wasn't in the show. And so I was listening to the same thing that everyone else was listening to. Hmm. Um, but going into Jagged Little Pill at such a tumultuous time, I. Really had and here's the thing, too. I'm an extremely opinionated person. That is who I am, and I can't apologize for it. It's just the truth and um going into that process was one of the biggest moments of just being like, Ren, sit, listen, these people need to talk. They need to grieve. They need to figure it out. And you, while you are part of that, you are not the person that needs to open your mouth hmm. and getting to, I mean, that was like, the master class in all things broadway. <laughs> and I, I mean, I I was like, okay, listening ears on and getting to do that. Oh my gosh. I mean, one day I'll like write a book about what my experience was there and there's so much good and that's really that's really due to the people there, which they are the ones that taught me how to listen and taught me how to have empathy to a, to a greater scale than I knew I could. Um, and then bringing that into between the lines between the lines was the a time where I got to help originate a character and not only that but a non-binary character and getting to work with Jody and Tim It was so cool. I got to add my own. Touches of who I am into. Jewels and. I also got to hear from them what they thought the audiences would need to hear, whether that be because of age or et cetera and I feel like I've really started to learn a true balance between listening and speaking. Mm. It's been wonderful, really. Mm. I've grown so much in that just year and a half or so. Mm. It's been illuminating.